0: The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Well, today we are starting a new series. It's called Swells, Truth for Life's Ups and Downs, and it's a series in the Psalms. We'll be in the Psalms for 12 weeks throughout the summer, and we are going to start where the Psalms start in Psalm 1 that is kind of a doorway to the Psalms, and I think this is really a great follow-up to our series on prayer because the Psalms, of course, are a book of prayer. These were Jesus's prayer book. These are the prayers that he and his disciples would have carried with them, the songs that they would have sung along the way, and I've got to tell you, I think it's a, such an interesting thing for me personally as, as I read through the Psalms, sometimes kind of having this vision of God's sovereignty, I'd read these things and just go, well, can we, can we pray that? Is it okay to pray that? Is it all right to pray that? And it's God's word. And certainly Jews a 1,000 years to 700 years before the birth of Christ would have had a better understanding of God's sovereignty than most of us do today. And they cried out to God. They sang songs of praise to God. They cried out in lament to God. They prayed for healing from God. They prayed for restoration and provision from God. They gave thanks to God for his goodness and for his deliverance. And so we are going to do that. And we're going to use Psalm 1 as kind of a doorway into the Psalms. And we're going to start with the first verse of Psalms. Let's just read the chapter. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. It yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers, the wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Praise be to God. This book and this chapter start with this word, blessed. Blessed, it's the Hebrew word, asherah, which really just means happy. It's this full and rich happiness that is brought about by the unmerited favor of God, this resting in God. Blessed is the man, happy is the man. 2019 ended and we were doing what we do at a new year. It's the time of hope We're all sort of looking for this utopia, this society where everything flourishes the right way. While we may not agree on what utopia is, everybody wants it, and there is many versions of utopia as there are ideas about pineapple on pizza, but perhaps it was coming in 2020. Perhaps the style that I love will be in style, the fashion that makes me look good will work this year. That's something, as you know, I worry a lot about. Maybe the team I want will win. Maybe the Messiah, I mean candidate I'm going to vote for, will come into power. Maybe I'll take the right vacation. Maybe I'll get the right promotion. Maybe I'll find the right love, someone to give me devotion. Then this tiny little organism came into our world. Well, utopia didn't come. We've got COVID and economic fallout and 100,000 plus dead in our own nation, many more across the world, abuse of power and privilege that leads to death, violent response to abuse of power and privilege that leads to death. We all want utopia, but we don't have it. Author Lyman Sargent remarks socialist, capitalist, anarchist, ecological, feminist, patriarchal, egalitarian, hierarchical, racist, left wing, right wing, reformist, nudist, free love, nuclear family, gay, lesbian, and many more utopias are dreamed of. Utopia's nature, though, he says, is inherently contradictory because societies are not homogenous and have desires which conflict with one another and therefore cannot simultaneously be satisfied. See, all these people, all of us, longing for their various utopias do agree on one thing, that utopia is not what we live in. See, we live in a dystopia. The world is broken. I read this morning, Jackie Hill Perry made this statement. Adam couldn't have imagined all that would have happened from that one little bite. And yet in the midst of this brokenness, see, the world was broken when the Psalms were written. And it was no less broken than it is today. And God describes a man, and yes, a people as this man, as part of this assembly who were Happy joyful, experiencing the unmerited favor of God, love for God and love for one another in the midst of a broken world. See, some would say that right now we're in a time of brokenness like the world has never known, but I'm gonna tell you today that we're in a time of brokenness like the world has always known. and blessed is the man. Well, what is that blessed man? What does that blessed people look like? The blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't think like the wicked think. He doesn't get his advice from the wicked. He doesn't walk in their counsel. He doesn't take their counsel. He doesn't embrace their counsel. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't walk the way of sinners sinner's walk. His life looks different. The people of God's life looks different. We are set apart. We're sanctified. We're uniquely different from the world in that we are seeking to love God and love people in ways that the world has never known. It's this surrender to Jesus and this united community that loves beyond lines of race or politic or nationalism. We love one another and then we are living sacrificially for the sake of one another, considering one another more important than ourselves, not standing in the way of sinners the selfish way. And then the blessed man is the one who does not sit in the seat of scoffers, those who would mock God, mock His ways, mock His people. When the psalmist describes this blessed man. He's describing three realms of life he doesn't walk in. It's the realm of thinking, the realm of behaving, the realm of belonging, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who doesn't think the way they think, who doesn't stand in the way of sinners, who doesn't behave the way they behave because life has been transformed and who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't belong to this group that is cynical about God and His ways. See, Derek Kidner, commentator on the Psalms, says that the wicked, the sinner, and the scoffer describes how people are conformed to the image of the world in three different ways. Those who walk in the counsel of the wicked are accepting the world's advice. Those who stand in the way of the sinners are are being party to its ways. And those who sit in the seat of the scoffer, they adopt the most fatal of its attitudes. He says, for the scoffers, if not the most scandalous of sinners, are the farthest from repentance. The blessed man doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. The blessed man doesn't stand in the way of the sinners. And the blessed man doesn't Sit in the seat of the scoffers. C.S. Lewis described this reality that so many people try to find happiness apart from Jesus Christ and they get frustrated because that happiness or that blessing apart from Christ doesn't exist. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of God. He delights in the law of God. Now when the psalmist wrote this, what he would have meant by law, scholars might might delineate between some nuance, but they would say perhaps it's the Ten Commandments, perhaps it's Deuteronomy 12 through 28, but most probably it's the first five books of the Old Testament. His delight is in the law, the Torah, the law of God. For us today, that would be all the scripture, that we would delight in the word of God, that we would love the word of God because it's been written on our hearts. He delights in the law of God and he meditates on the law of God and his meditation is both day and night all the time. So the blessed person is the person who belongs to God. It's not just one person, it's a people whose attention and whose affection are directed toward the God who made the world. And this really, really matters because I'm gonna tell you this as we begin the psalm series and after psalms we'll go through First Corinthians and we'll tell you this then that the most valuable thing in your world is what you worship. The thing that's most valuable to you, maybe not what you say is most valuable to you, But the thing that's most valuable to you, that's actually what you worship. It's the thing that you delight in above all else. It's the thing that captures your sharpest attention. It's the thing that captures your deepest affection. That's what you worship, and that's what I worship. And so if the thing that captures my sharpest attention and my deepest affection is not Jesus Christ, then I'm worshiping an idol. That's what I worship. See, the object of our worship is the thing that satisfies us the most. And if it's not Jesus, we won't be satisfied. Leon Duncan explains it this way. He says, if you're ultimately wanting peace, you won't ultimately get peace. And if you're ultimately wanting joy, you won't ultimately get joy. And if you're ultimately wanting rest, you won't ultimately get rest. And if you're ultimately wanting belonging, you won't ultimately get belonging. And if you're ultimately wanting security, you won't ultimately get security. But but if you're ultimately wanting Jesus, if you're ultimately seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things in him you'll find peace and joy and rest and belonging. Belonging. And security, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates both day and night. See, we cannot delight in one whose word we do not know. And if you ultimately, if I ultimately, if we as the people of God, ultimately are delighting in God's word, we will love his truth. Well, love is truth, but most people, even most people who know Christ, and here's an area where just honestly, we probably all need to repent. At best, most of the time, we embrace half of the word, and it tends to be kind of the half or the portion of the word that matches our dreams for the world. See, if the scripture isn't pushing on you, and if it's not pushing on me in some way, then we really may need to ask ourselves if we're giving it an honest reading. We just might need to ask ourselves, am I giving it an honest reading? Because it ought to be pushing on us every day. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. See, meditation on the law of the Lord, on the word of God is different than Eastern meditation, but maybe not the way you think. See, some would say that Eastern meditation is emptying your mind and meditating on the word of God is filling your mind with God's truth. But here's the the problem. There's no such thing as an empty mind. I mean, maybe those people who think their favorite color is clear and all that, but by and large, you try to empty your mind and something's going to fill it. And usually that demonic something is our selves. And really, that's the aim of Eastern meditation, that you would have this consciousness of yourself, that you would just think about yourself, that you would just be considering yourself and putting yourself before God and putting yourself before others like we need that We've got Instagram, if we want to think about ourselves all the time. But the lighting and the law of God is to meditate on Him, to consider God, and then as we consider this God who gave himself for us all for us all, then, then we would put others before ourselves. Meditation on the word of the Lord is a transformative meditation because transformed people live transformed lives. People who are transformed by the counsel of the wicked live wicked lives. And people who are transformed by the word of God and the power of the spirit of God live transformed lives. When do we meditate on the word of God? See, that's what we're to fill our minds with. All of the time. All of the time. I just did an experiment as I was thinking about this. Over the last couple of weeks, I turned my ESV app on. I was working in my garage a couple of weekends ago, and I found out in just a few hours, you can listen. You turn that, that audio on fast, and you can listen to the Psalms in just a few hours. Isaiah 40 through 53. Isaiah 40 starts with this grand, beautiful, sovereign, powerful Wonderful vision of God. Isaiah 53 ends with this being the God who was pierced for our transgression. It takes 41 minutes to listen to that. A nice three-mile walk. When do we fill our minds with it? Day and night. Think about what we fill our minds with. Sports and shopping and memes and gifts or gifs, however you say that, politics. And I don't even mean good, cogent, substantive political arguments. I just mean garbage, hate, disdain, dislike, scoffing, cynicism at others, everything that lacks love. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. Surely these things we fill our minds with are not what Paul had in mind when he said finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable see the way that we think and sometimes the way that we speak to one another isn't honorable, isn't true, isn't just, isn't pure, isn't lovely, isn't commendable. If there is anything that is excellent or worthy of praise, think about these things. Our delight is in the law of the Lord. And when it is, we're thinking about the just, the honorable, the true, the pure, the lovely, the commendable, the excellent, the praiseworthy things that God has given to us in this book. Well, what's that man like? What's that man like who is planted by streams of water? Now, you got to understand when the psalmist wrote this, he's writing it in a desert. So there aren't many streams of water. And so when a tree is planted by streams of water, it stands out because its roots grow deep and it's a tree that flourishes. You basically got sand, dead trees, some camels, some bones of animals that didn't make it. And then you see an oasis. It's the most amazing thing. A tree planted by streams of water. See, in a desert, roots run to water. So when he's planted by streams of water, he's going to be rooted. He's going to walk in the counsel of the Scripture, not the wicked. That's the man who's planted by streams of water, and he is like a tree that's deep-rooted, that's strong, that can withstand storms. I need you to remember that. Second, he yields fruit in his season. He yields fruit in his season. This, is a, this picture you see is a loquat tree. Now, I didn't know what a loquat tree is until we bought a house five years ago And I walked in the backyard one day and all of a sudden it is covered up. This is a picture of my loquat tree. Now it's a shame that we don't eat many loquats because we could. It's just covered up. It yields fruit every year. And while the bowers might eat one or two, the squirrels and birds love my house, right? It's like a vacation home for them because this tree yields fruit. It feeds them. See, the person, the people who meditate on the law of God, they are life-giving to those around them. We have two cardinals at our house. They're not really our pets, but we call them pets. Their names are Karen and Truman, and they're eating really, really well. Well, I'm not talking about feeding birds, though, right? The people who meditate on the law of God, they're life-giving, they're fruitful, they're giving things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I have a nine and a six and a four-year-old son, and I gotta tell you, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit a lot in my house. And during this time of quarantine, we've talked about love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness and gentleness. And we talk a lot about self-control, self-control. It's the fruit of God's Spirit that we would lay aside anything that keeps us from loving God and neighbor because we want to yield fruit. Both the Spirit's fruit and the fruit of multiplied believers in our lives. This tree is yielding fruit because it has deep and nourished roots. It's planted by streams of water. The presence of God, the word of God is like this life-giving stream that provides nourishment to the tree that the tree is then fruitful And it provides nourishment. God's people ought to be nourishing to the people around us. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See, the tree planted by streams of water yields fruit in season, and then its leaf does not wither. In a desert, its leaf does not wither. It's got a constant supply of nourishment. See, planted by streams of water, walks in the counsel of the wicked. Planted by streams of water. He's got the word of God. He's walking in that counsel. Yields fruit. He's not standing in the way of the sinner, but is walking in the way of loving God and neighbor. Its leaf does not wither. See, scoffers, those who mock God, their leaves are going to wither. The philosophical foundation of their lives will fall apart. You know, many of you, the story of Voltaire, the famous atheistic philosopher of the 18th century. In 1776, Voltaire said this, "A 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible on earth except one that is looked at by an antiquarian curiosity seeker. Voltaire died two years later and now the Evangelical Society of Geneva, they bought his house and they've kept his house and they've used his house as a printing press to print the world's best-selling book, the Bible. The house of this dead atheist is now a storehouse for the Word of God. See, in the wilderness of the world, in the desert of the world, Only the wonders of the word of God that point us to Jesus Christ will satisfy our parched desires. The deepest longings, the deepest pains, the deepest strugglings, the deepest wrestlings, the deepest sins we fight against can only be fought against by the word of God. See, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the Word of God, and on that law he meditates both day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by streams of water, planted by streams of water, this yielding fruit in its season but the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. You you know what chaff is. It's it's got no root and it's got no fruit. It's just blown by every wind. It has no substance. It has no use other than hitting cars in West Texas dust storms. The wicked are not so. See, if you reject Jesus and if you reject his ways... You'll be blown around like every wind. They're like chaffs that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In 1987, October 15th in England, a storm came that destroyed the place there was a hurricane that was going to come it was a non-tropical hurricane and it was coming to england october 14, or october 15th and october 16th and the farmer's weather guide the farmer's forecast said there's this great storm coming but a noted and famous meteorologist said this is a false alarm it's not going to happen but it happened 275,000 trees in London and the surrounding areas were blown down. 15 million trees in England were blown over. And if you can see this picture well, one thing you'll notice is that these trees aren't broken, they're uprooted. They couldn't stand when the wind blew. So if you study and find out why did all the trees blow over? Well, if you've ever been to the British Isles, they're so green, they're so lush, they're so beautiful. And people have reasoned that the soil is actually so rich that the roots don't grow very deep. The soil is actually so rich that the roots don't grow very deep. And as I read about that, I thought about the world that we live in and we've got everything at our disposal, even when it comes to the church. We got Chandler and we got Piper and we got Bacham. We don't really need the local church. And what this has turned into is consumer Christianity. But I hope this season has shown us how much we need one another. See, consumer Christianity just doesn't have deep roots it's not rooted and grounded in love and so any strong wind just blows it over the wicked are not so they're like chaff that the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous and by the way i'm i'm great with chandler and piper and Bacham. they've all helped me tremendously as they've helped many of you. My small group, she's gone through this Chandler series. It was wonderful. But it's no substitute for us as the people of God, diving in the Word of God personally and corporately so that we can grow deep, deep roots. That's to say, we can be rooted in Jesus. See, if you're wicked, you won't Stand. The wicked will not stand. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked because the wicked will not stand in judgment. Blessed is the man who does not stand in the path of sinners because sinners will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. And we're all sinners. We need Jesus to make us be able to stand as part of his people. Your thinking and your life will blow away like chaff. Your self-interested kingdom will blow away and be forgotten. The foundationless philosophy of wickedness will fail. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous. What an incredible statement. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. In Galatians 4, it talks about this fact that we've come to know God or rather be known by God. He knows the way of the righteous. Psalm 139 begins like this. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path. My lying down are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your light Your right hand shall hold me. If I say surely, the darkness shall cover me, the light about me be night. Even in the darkness, it's not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light to you. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it so well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows our pains. He knows our sins. He knows our heartaches. He knows our struggles. He knows our frustrations. He knows our angers. He knows our fears. And he's with us. And he's the only one who can make our hearts happy, who can bring our hearts peace, who can offer us rest in the middle of an unrighteous world. See, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I can remember my oldest child, Maddie, when she was two. This was one of the first things we memorized was Psalm 1, and I can just hear her in that sweet little voice going, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And we had no idea, too, what, what that looks like and what that means, but she, she's come to understand it. We can come to understand that those who don't know Jesus Christ. See, this verse is a really just gigantic problem verse for us because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Our Lord, see, while we were still sinners, see, when we think about sinners, we tend to think about others we ought first think of ourselves while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you're separated from God and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates both day and night. See, the next 12 weeks, we're gonna meditate on the prayers of God's people in the Psalms. We're gonna meditate on the words that God's people spoke to him. We're gonna consider these words so that in The desert of this world, in the desert of our culture, we might be like trees planted by streams of water, not so that we can get fat and happy, but so that we can yield fruit that is life giving in this desert. So that our leaves don't wither, that we offer shade for the hurting, shade for the vulnerable, shade for those in fear. planted by streams. See, that happens when the Spirit of God enters our lives through the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God spoke about this new covenant that would come to his people. And he said, I'll write my law on their hearts. So let's ask him to do that. God, For your church, would you write your word on our hearts? Would you seal it in our minds? God, would you move in us that with distractions as long as the day is, that we would be people who delight in your word and meditate on it day and night? God, not for the end of our own prosperity, though that is a byproduct in all that that we do, the church will prosper. Your people will not fail. The church will accomplish the mission that you've called us to. But that mission is that we'd be a people who are planted by streams of water so that we can grow up strong and so that we can be a people who provide good fruit and offer shade from this scorching heat. So God, let us be those people. Know our ways, God. Form us in the image of Christ for your glory and for the healing of the nations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.